Wow. Happy Easter. There's a lot of people in here. <laughs> Got an email uh, last night about the pancake breakfast Easter egg hunt that we were doing. That like uh, twice as many people signed up as they were expecting. And, uh, and actually I saw the Easter egg. They let the kids in here at 9.15. They had like eggs, candy eggs hidden everywhere. They opened the doors at 9.15. And it was like um, you read about in the Bible, like the swarm of locusts. Coming in, like devouring the land and gone. It was like they came in, cleaned up, gone. It was so quick. Um, yeah, yeah, so I got the email. It's like, this is exciting. There's going to be, there's going to be a lot of people here. And there's a lot of people here. It's, it's exciting. Um, and also, uh, <laughs> a little nerve-wracking. Um, in the sense of like, uh, well, we have... The Lord is going to have to provide because we have um, food needs, volunteer needs, uh, space. We, 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 Lord, our, our, everything is in your hands. And so there's a lot of stuff to worry about, you know, the, the, the food, the organizing, the volunteers. But to be honest, I don't deal with any of that. <laughs> None of that's my concerns. Um, I get anxious and it's like, uh, well then I'm supposed to say something. Like, all these people are coming, then I'm supposed to say something. And I feel like um, we're here because Jesus rose from the dead. What can I possibly say that will give justice to what that means? Like, there's a feeling of, like, who am I? What, what can I possibly say that's not going to, like, diminish the magnitude of what this means? And not only that, not only that, like, I knew, like, there's a bunch more people coming than we expected. There's going to be a lot of people here. Um, I know, I, I feel what is needed, okay? I feel what's needed for the crowd. I, I feel it. And it's funny because there's this passage that I've been laughing at lately, and me and the staff have been talking about it, and we've been laughing at it lately. Um, probably heard about it. It's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, there's this, like, enormous crowd, like 5,000 people show up. And Jesus preaches to them. And then the disciples, you know, time goes on. The people are just sitting there, like, just looking at Jesus, you know, like a... They're like, they're like a sheep without a shepherd. They're just looking at Jesus. And the disciples start to feel like, um, this crowd's going to need something soon. Like, they're going to get hungry, and they're starting to feel kind of like this pressure. Like, uh-oh. And they say to Jesus, like, I think it's time for you to tell the crowd to leave. And uh, it's really funny. You see this in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's account of what happened. Um, uh Jesus says, no, they don't have to leave. You give them something to eat. <laughs> what? <laughs> that, that's what he said to him. I'm sure with a smile. I'm sure Jesus was amused by this. He said to the disciples, oh, you're concerned because they're getting hungry? Give them something to eat. We have like a basket of food. That's it. There's like 5,000 people here. And it's like, you give them something to eat, says the Lord. And that's kind of like, it's funny, but it's also, it's like, uh, uh, so here I am. It's like, all these people are coming. There is something great that's needed. Like, like, there is something 
great that has happened, and there is something great that is needed today, for real. And who am I to give it to them, all right? What am I to do? What is needed, by the way? Let me just read a passage, and, and I can tell you, like, what's on my mind, what's on my heart as far as what is needed for the occasion. Um, this is from the New Testament, uh, the, the book, the letter of 1 Corinthians, chapter 2, beginning verse 1. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Yeah, yeah, this is what I am feeling, and this is what I feel like the occasion demands, right? Um, not human wisdom, not eloquence, for if that was the case, then, then a, a good speech would be all that we would need. No, I, I feel this. I, I feel what he is saying here. Like, I want your faith to rest not on, like, smooth words from a pastor. I want your faith to rest on the power of God and for that reason, what I feel when I read this passage and I think about a crowd being here, what I feel is needed is, hear it, a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That's what I feel, a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And because I feel that, I feel very inadequate, right? Um, it's not a demonstration of my power. A demonstration of the Spirit's power. Jesus said to them, you give them something to eat. It's like, who am I? Okay? A demonstration of the Spirit's power. So he says he came with fear and trembling, <laughs> weakness. It's like, that's what I'm feeling here. It's like, I feel very weak for what this <clears throat> occasion uh, demands, right? A demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith would rest on the power of God. Well, why did Jesus say that to those disciples? You give them something to eat. There's a lesson that he wants us to learn. It's true, we're helpless in ourselves. But God desires to give us what we ask for his purpose. Whatever you ask in my name, you shall have. Well, here we are. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask for something in his name. Father God, in your name, according to your mission, according to your word, according to your heart, I would ask that the message of you crucified for the world and risen from the dead, that that would go out not with only human wisdom and eloquence, but with a demonstration of your power. Holy Spirit, I believe in you. We believe in you. I am asking for your power. Let it be known. Let it be witnessed. Let it be received. Let you be received. Holy Spirit, show yourself among us so that our faith would not rest on human wisdom, but on your power. Let it be so according to your word. Amen. He said he'd give us whatever we ask in his name, so that's what I'm, that's what I'm relying on here, friends.
a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Would you like to see that? No, no, for real. Like, it's, that's, not, that's not just like a, you know, rhetorical question. Like, I mean it. Like, do you want to see and experience the Holy Spirit deep in your heart? Do you, do you, this, this is God we're talking about, you know? The Holy Spirit is God. Do you want to experience God? Okay, let's keep reading because um, what does that mean? You're probably wondering, like, what, do you, what are you planning, <laughs> you know? What are you planning? A demonstration of the Spirit's power of what, what's probably coming to your mind is, like, miracle signs and wonders, right? I mean, that's what Jesus did. Like, take a basket of food and you feed 5,000. Or, or you have someone who is uh, blind before you. Open your eyes and see, right? Like, that would be impressive, right? And you know something? Like, Jesus gave sight to the blind. You actually read the Bible. I think you find this in John 14, 15. Um, Jesus said, you, meaning us, you're going to do greater things than the things I did. There's actually something greater, a demonstration of the Spirit's power that is greater than giving sight to the blind. And, and I believe that's, that's what this is talking about as we're going to keep reading. And that's what I think God wants to do today, something greater. Jesus gave sight to the blind, and he's commissioned us to do something greater. I'll keep reading, and, and, and perhaps you'll see. Verse 6 says like this. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Okay, what just happened? What's he talking about here? There has been a mystery of glory that has been hidden for ages. We've been unable to see it, but it's been there. But now, this mystery is being revealed. It's being revealed. Previously, no eye saw it, no ear heard it, no mind conceived it, meaning it was, it was too great, too wonderful. But that's changed now. Now, what no eye had seen, no ear heard, no mind conceived, now it's being revealed. How? It's being revealed by the Spirit. The things that God has prepared for us, it's being revealed. What was once hidden, what we were once blind to, now, through the preaching of God's Word, we are able to see. And beloved, let me tell you something. 
giving you that sight, enabling you to see by the Spirit's power this hidden glory, that is greater than opening the eyes of the blind so that may, they may see uh, earthly things. Opening the eyes of the blind, spiritually blind, so that they may see heavenly spiritual things, the things God has prepared, that is greater. That will last longer. That is an eternal gift. It is a greater miracle. And that is what is on my mind for today. Us, us, seeing by the power of the Holy Spirit, a demonstration of the Spirit's power, us seeing what God has prepared for those who love him. We're going to see it. We're going to see it, all right? With the eyes of our heart, we're going to see it if you want to. So again, I want to ask that question. Do you want to see it? Do you want to see it for real? Okay. I want to break down what's going on here in this passage because there's a little bit of a contrast going on. Um, in uh, verse 6, it talks about the, the, the wisdom of God versus the wisdom you know, of this age or the wisdom of this world. <clears throat> in uh, uh, verse 12, it talks about the spirit of God in contrast to the spirit of this world. And there's this picture at play all through the New Testament. In the, in, in the words of Jesus, and you see it here, there's, there's this picture at play. There's a world living in darkness, unable to see. And there's a reason that is. The reason the world cannot see the glory of God is because the spirit of the world. And, and what he's talking about here is, he's talking about the devil. I mean, Jesus... John chapter 12, he said the, Jesus called the devil the ruler of this world. John chapter 14, the prince of this world. Uh, 1 John 5, 19, uh, the God of this age, the devil has blinded the mind of non-believers. Oh, that, that's 2 Corinthians 2. The, the God of this world has blinded the mind of, of, of non-believers so that they cannot see. So they cannot see. Uh, and, and, and 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, um, uh, the ruler of this world um, has taken, you know what? I can't remember it. Look it up. <laughs> Human weakness, right? Um, the whole world, that's what it is. The whole world lies under the power of the evil one. Okay? The whole world is under the power of the evil one. So there is a, a, a spirit at play, the whole world. This is why we can't see the glory of God. The whole world is under the power of the evil one. But here, the spirit of God is coming to set us free of that. Now, um, this needs to be, I feel like, unpacked a little bit, if you want to understand. Uh, but first, you know, I want to tell you something. When I was um, like 10... I was 10 years old. I was 10 years old, and uh, my family, we were on some sort of trip or something. We were out of town, and I remember being in this little bookstore with my brother, and uh, there were all these, like, posters on the wall of these, like, this is like the 90s, right? 
I'm older than I look. So I was like, uh, there's these posters on the wall, these like blotchy color patterns. And it just looked like nonsense. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, like you ever hear that like magic eye, like 3D pictures. It was pretty popular in the 90s. Um, when you get home, Google it. Um, not now. You'll be distracted. Um, but anyways, there's these pictures on the wall, these like blotchy patterns. And it just looked like nonsense. But my brother, like, he was looking at it. I was looking at one also. And it's like, there's nothing here. You know, I don't see anything. Like, I'm looking, I'm looking. I don't see anything. And my brother, after a while, he's like, whoa. It's like, there's a dinosaur. And it's like coming out of the page. It's like 3D. It's like, whoa. And I was like, let me see that. You know, I don't see anything. And he goes to the next one. He's like, this is a galaxy. And it's, it's big. And I was like, what? I see nothing. Okay? And I was frustrated. There's nothing here. I see nothing. Um, so there's a glory of God that is greater than your mind can, can, can conceive of, greater than your eyes can see, ears can hear, and I can tell you that it's there. And, and I just tell that story because I imagine that there's someone here, maybe it's like, well, I've been actually to church a lot of times, okay? I've actually been to church a bunch, and I don't see it, okay? The whole thing is rather boring to me, okay? Maybe even it's like it's nonsense. It's like, it's like me looking at this picture. It's just, it's just a bunch of random colors. There's nothing here, okay? Like I imagine there's people here that are like, I don't see it. I don't see a glory, all right? Well, I, I want to tell you, actually, I was pretty frustrated, actually, when I was, I was pretty frustrated when I was in the bookshop. I saw it, like, months later. Okay, he, he was right. There is something there, okay? Um, but I, I want to share that story just to say, you know, you actually don't have to be frustrated if you want to see. If you kind of feel like, I don't see, if you want to see, you can see. But in order to see, you also have to understand why you don't see, okay? In order to see, there's a little step in understanding why you don't see. It's not because it isn't there, okay? Why don't you see? And that's why I said that stuff about the spirit of God versus the spirit of the devil. Uh, the God of this age has blinded the minds. And Jesus said it this way. Okay, Jesus said it this way. Let me read it. I'm going I'm to actually jump to a passage. I'm going to jump to a passage in Jesus, but just, just to catch up where we've been so far. There is a glory to be seen, a demonstration of the Spirit's power. There's a glory to be experienced, to be revealed to you. And the reason we don't see it yet, okay, if, if some of you are like, I don't know what, what he's talking about, i Perhaps heard about things like this. For me, church is just rather, it's, it's just kind of like empty tradition. Like I'll, I'll go and I'll do the things. But there's not a power there that I've experienced and known. If that's you, there's a reason why you don't see. Okay? And that's why we're going to jump to this other passage. And hopefully we're going to understand why. I told you there, there's a blinding that's happened. 
Um, and so if you can understand why you don't see, we're, I think we're on our way to seeing, all right? So, so just jump with me. Um, we're looking at John chapter 8, beginning verse 31. This, now, this is an interaction that Jesus had, all right? Starts with this. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me. Because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in my father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Okay. Let's break this down. I want you to see that it's the same concepts at play. Jesus is saying, I'm following my father, and he says to the crowd, you're following your father. Okay, who do you think Jesus is talking about? Okay? He's talking about the devil. Okay? And don't think, well, these guys are like really bad people he's talking to. No, this is the idea that you get from all of the New Testament. All right? The whole world lies under the power of the evil one. That's 1 John 5, 19. The whole world lies under the power of the evil one. Okay? And so Jesus is saying, if you hold to my teaching, you know the truth, and the truth is going to set you free. What's he talking about? Same thing. What the Spirit wants to demonstrate, what the Spirit wants to reveal. You're going to see something. Okay? You're going to experience a truth, and it's going to be a glory, and it's going to set you free. It'll set you free from what? From slavery. Okay? That's what Jesus says. You know the truth, and the truth is to set you free. And the people are like, we already are free, okay? We've always been free. And Jesus says, wrong, all right? This is worth talking about because people are going to resonate with this if you understand what he's saying here, if you understand what he's getting at. People are like, uh, we've always been free. And uh, Jesus says, no. You're a slave to sin. Evan who sins is a slave to sin. And they take offense at that. They're like, no, we've been free. Like I said, the Bible paints this picture. The whole world is under the power of the evil one. There is a spirit at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived. Everyone. Okay, there's a spirit that's leading the world. We like to think that we're free as in like, no, not me. I make my own decisions. Okay, I choose my life. Like, there's not a spirit that's leading me. And the Bible would tell you, no, there is. Okay. There is. You're actually a slave. And you're like, well, I don't feel like a slave. Okay? Maybe I'm not like one of those Christians that's like fully living for Jesus. Maybe. And maybe I don't really know if I see or agree with this like glory upon glory that you're talking about. That God has prepared for everyone. Maybe I don't see that. But I'm not a slave. All right? I kind of like my life. Right? Okay? I mean, yeah, there's some hard times here and there. But I'm happy. I'm doing my own thing. I'm not a slave. I do my own thing, like, that's my life. Like, someone is thinking, like, yeah, that's me. I don't, I don't, I don't get this whole slavery thing. And, and beloved, I want to break it down for you, because um, if you understand why you don't see, then, then I think you're on the way to seeing. So let me break it down for you, uh, what it means when Jesus says you're a slave to sin. Okay, okay, how can I do this? Um, so... Yeah, uh, there was a time in my life where I was very, um, 
aware, uh, experienced, uh, walked in the ways of uh, addiction recovery, right? Um, and if you know anything about that world, the, the recovery of, of, of addiction, um, you know there's like something that's really popular is like the 12-step program, and the number one step is the hardest, okay? And if, actually, if like, if you understand and grasp the first step, you know, the other 11, cakewalk, okay? You're going to go. The first step is the hard one, okay? And the first step is to acknowledge that you're an addict, okay? The first step is just to acknowledge it's got me beat, okay? I am powerless, okay? There is something that is ruling me. I am not on the throne. Something is ruling me. Step one is to be like, I'm a slave. And that's so hard. That's so hard because when you're in the life of being an addict, you don't think that you're ruled. What you say, and I've had, you know, I've had this argument where people back in the day, people's like, oh, you know, I think you should stop using drugs. And it's like, I'm not an addict. Uh, I like living this way, okay? I'm happy, all right? I'm not an addict. Like, I'm happy. Like, I am choosing this. I'm happy. I'm not a slave, okay? I'm happy. I like this life. Um, and sometimes you'll meet people that will say this to you, and it's like, I, I, like I remember having a conversation with this, like, older man uh, when I was living in Madison, and this guy had nothing, okay, nothing, all right, he'd sleep on a park bench, but he had, like, his pipe and his drugs, and, he, and he'd tell me, he's like, you know, I'm happy because I just feel warm, I feel nice, like, I'm, I'm on my park bench, you know, I got my pipe, and I, and I feel nice, and it's like, you're happy, huh, well, I think you're happy, and you feel free because you don't know the life that you're missing. You don't really, you can't really wrap your mind around what your life would be like if this wasn't here. All right? Yes, you say you're happy. But that's because there's something bigger and greater you're not seeing. For this man, I mean, what would your life would have been like if you didn't have this? This age, perhaps you'd have a a family, a wife, maybe grandkids and a home. Like, I don't know what your life would look like, but I can tell you it would be more full than this thing that you, you say makes you happy, okay? And, and, I, and I've walked those steps, and what Jesus seems to say is we all have, okay? Everyone who sins becomes a slave to sin, and, and I should probably break down a little bit what, what sin is, because it's probably not what you think it is. Like, sin means living for something that isn't God. There is something in your life that's number one, okay? Sin is when we put something other than God on that throne. It's called idolatry. And for some, it's like drugs. And it's like, okay, that's obviously like addiction. But for others, it's human approval or, or, or uh, promotions at job or money, okay? Worldly pleasures, popularity. The list goes on. For some people, it's like video games. Like, I don't know. The, the, the Bible calls this your idols, all right? And, and the list goes on. And so those who are like, okay, maybe I'm not living for Jesus like you are. I get it. But let me tell you something. You're living for something else, okay? And that other thing that you're living for, that's what you're a slave to. And you're like, yeah, but, but, but it's, it's making me happy. It's because you're blind. That's why it's making you happy. It's blind. You're blind to what you could have, Okay? You think you're happy, but you're blind. And Jesus really brings it home with what he says here. He says, a slave doesn't remain in the house forever. A son does. Okay? But if the son sets you free, you're going to be free. 
A slave doesn't live in the house forever. What's the point here? Okay, you're not, if you're living for Jesus, you're going to see this glory, okay? You're going to see this glory if you're living for Jesus. If you're not, you won't, all right? And here's the deal. The thing you're living for that isn't Jesus, in the end, you don't get to keep it, okay? That's what Jesus is getting at, okay? If you're a slave, you can work for your master your whole life, and guess what? At the end of your life, you own nothing. Nothing goes to your children. Nothing you get to keep. It all belongs to, to someone else. Everything you're working for, you don't get to keep. And the reason for that is death awaits all of us, okay? You're not keeping it. That's why you're a slave. You're working for something that you are ultimately not getting paid for. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the heart of God is for you to see something. To see something that will set you free. Jesus Christ died on the, on the cross for sinners. So that we may be forgiven of such idolatry. Okay? The, the price has been paid. Any guilt that we have, he took. So whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gift that you can have. And he died for our sins. Paid in full. The debt is paid. That's the heart of God. He wants to forgive. He wants to forgive so much he sent his son. And Jesus died on the cross. And then he rose from the dead. He died on the cross and that wasn't the end. Then he rose from the dead. What has God prepared? What has God prepared that he is revealing by his spirit? He's prepared something for us. And the disciples got a glimpse of it when Jesus rose from the dead. Right, I'm going to read this, this Easter passage here. So, so Jesus died on the cross, and he rose from the dead. And, well, um, the disciples heard some reports that he had been risen, okay? They, they heard some rumors. People had saw Jesus. And they're all hanging out someday. Um, we're jumping over to Luke 24. Verse 36 says this. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. Is, it, is I myself touch me and see? A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he said to them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and he ate it in their presence. Okay, so Jesus shows up. He's like, touch my body and see, I'm not a ghost. And then he sits down and eats some fish. He's like, do you have anything to eat? Like, why did he do that? What's the message he's trying to bring across by saying, get me something to eat? He's trying to show them something. I am risen from the dead in the flesh. I have a body. I'm not a ghost. Ghosts don't eat, okay? Touch my skin. It's a material body. You know, some people, uh, once in a while, you hear people say, oh, it's like, uh, like, like we had like little eggs of chocolate here today, you know? And, I, and on Christmas, you know, a lot of Christians, they, we do presents. And once in a while, you, you hear people say, I don't like this whole like presents on Christmas thing and like candy on Easter thing because I think it like detracts from like the message. And I don't agree. You know Why? 
As a kid, you really look forward to that stuff, right? Because it's like material presence, okay? It's something you can touch and feel, all right? You look forward to that. And it points to something, if you let it. What God has prepared for us, what the disciples were looking at, is something you can touch. It's something you can feel. The resurrected body. Jesus sat down. He's like, give me some fish. Sat down, and the disciples just sat, watched him just sitting there eating fish. And you, and you know what they were thinking when they watched this. Nothing else in life matters other than having this. Like, we saw them kill you, and here you are with a body. And this body is different, mind you. The scriptures tell, you, tell us there's no more weakness, you know, no more death, no more sickness. Uh, there, there's not the same limitations. I mean, Jesus just shows up here in the middle of a, a locked room. He, he just shows up in the flesh. Which le- and Jesus wasn't doing that before he rose from the dead. Leads me to think, like, this body, we can do things with this new body that we can't do now. Okay? I, I very strongly believe we will be flying. Okay? I'm not just saying that to be... Like, like, I think there's reason to believe that, which I won't get into from the Bible. But the point is, there is a material body that is promised. And, and in a kingdom of glory where there is no pain, uh, we will be literally eating together. Okay? Just like Jesus is eating fish. And even the disciples, it says, they, it's too wonderful. They, they, it says, they did not believe it because of joy and amazement. Okay? What no mind has conceived. You can't wrap your mind around this, yet they're seeing it. Beloved, if you're not living for Jesus, and this is not on your number one priority list, then, beloved, that's why Jesus can say you're a slave. You're living for something that ultimately won't deliver. Meanwhile, there is a body prepared. There's a resurrection For all who look to him and trust in him, this too is ours, the resurrection of the body. You can touch, you can feel, it's material. Verse uh, verse 44, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be filled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. For I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. This is part of what we're talking about. Repentance in his name will preach to all nations. This is the same thing the Apostle Paul, we read his words later. He said, God has sent me to open the eyes of people so that they may turn from the power of Satan to the power of God. That's what we're talking about. Turning from blindness. Turning to God. Repentance. Turning from living a life that isn't for him. Okay? And saying, Jesus, I did that. I lived as if you were not worthy of everything. Lord, open my eyes and help me not do that. Help me change because what you promise is better, okay? That's what repentance is. It's turning to him. Jesus, I need you, okay? Jesus, I'm I'm a sinner. I believe in your forgiveness. You died for the sins. I need you come into my life. That's what repentance is. It's not complicated. Jesus, I need you. And here's what's given. 
He says, you're going to be clothed with power from on high. And that happens some chapters later. That is the giving of the Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. So that you will be able to speak as one who has experienced. Because by the power of the Spirit, these things are being revealed. Okay? We now are obtaining the, 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 the first fruits of glory, the deposit. Okay? We now are, are seeing him with, with the eyes of faith, and we know it's true. Okay? It's not just like a, a, a warm idea that we comfort ourselves with, and we come and we talk about an Easter. Beloved, we speak as witnesses, witnesses of his glory. Beloved, I hope that when you hear me speak now, you, you understand I'm not just talking as like someone who's paid to do this, okay? I'm not just talking as someone who kind of like grew up, you know, hearing these things because I didn't, by the way. But even if I had, I hope you would know that there is a demonstration of the Spirit's power and all it is is, all it is is I'm speaking to you all as a witness, someone who's experienced the power of God and can say it's true. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a myth, Okay? It's not just like a nice idea we comfort ourselves with and we do like in routines, Christmas and Easter. It's the glory of God and you can see it, okay? You can see it. Ah. And with that, I'm gonna read this one more time. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no mind has conceived, the things God prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us. By his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we've received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. Lord God, help us understand what you have freely given to us. Help us with, with, with eyes of faith Know that there is a resurrection from the dead that is awaiting for those, for those who would trust in you, who would look to you, who, who would, by the power of the Holy Spirit, put you number one in our lives. Those who would say, Jesus, I need you as a Savior. I, I, I need you to open my eyes. Help me see. To those who would simply turn to you. Help us, help us believe and understand Lord, Holy Spirit, reveal to us, reveal to us what you have prepared for us so that our faith would not rest on human wisdom, but on your power. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.